Hello, everyone, and welcome to our inaugural podcast. Uh, this is the Grant Ranahan and Hanover Research Podcast. Um, every month, we will be answering follow-up questions and chatting on topics from our monthly webinar series. Folks who attend or listen to those monthly webinars will have the opportunity to send additional questions to mwaters at hanoverresearch.com for us to tackle on the podcast. Before we jump into today's topic, I'd like to introduce myself and my colleagues joining me. I'm Mallory Waters. I'm a senior content director here at Hanover. I've been here for nearly a decade and have been serving as a CD slash project manager for nearly that entire duration. I work with a variety of clients, including for-profit organizations, academic medical centers, health centers, and institutions of higher education. My specialty is generally within pre-award, NIH, and NSF. Um, I'm jo I'm joined today by my co-host, Katie Bristow. Uh, Katie, you want to say hello? Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Katie Bristow. I am also a uh, Hanover content director in our grants team here, and I have uh, about 15 years experience in grants altogether. Uh, prior to working, uh, prior to joining Hanover, I worked in the nonprofit sector, writing proposals for small community community-based organizations, largely in human services and the arts. Um, and then I joined Hanover uh, nearly seven years ago as a content director, and I manage a portfolio of higher ed institutions of um, all sizes, from community colleges to R1 institutions. Um, some of my specialties include faculty development, improving grant office systems and processes, um, and managing complex uh, multi-PI multi teams for programmatic proposal development. Uh, Brian, did you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Thank you, Katie. I'm Brian DeBusk, a senior grants consultant here at Hanover. I've been here almost 12 years now, about as long as the grants division has existed. And prior to my time at Hanover, I was a biology professor where I got my legs in grant writing as a um, faculty member working on NSF and NIH proposals. And those are the areas that I primarily specialize in here at Hanover. Great. Thank you, Brian. Um, so each month we will be joined by a Hanover team member, um, a grants consultant such as Brian, a CD such as Katie or myself, or a researcher to help us answer questions and provide further insight into the topics that we cover. Um, so let's go ahead and jump in today's to topic, uh, talking to program officers. So this is following up on our most recent webinar. We get a lot of questions about this generally, and I'll just start us off with a quick story from one of my clients. Um, I have a very skilled for-profit client who applied recently for a center type of grant from NIH, and their proposal was scored well, but they ultimately were not funded because they did not articulate something very clearly within their proposal. And in the feedback that they received from the PO, uh, they were told, um, I wish you would have talked to us beforehand. We could have told you that this was critical. We could have told you how we wanted to see this. Um, so those are the types of situations that we hear about way too often. And uh, they're really painful for us. And they make us uh, <laughs> really cringe. Uh, we don't want that to happen uh, to any of our clients or to anyone listening. So more often than not, talking to a program, uh, to a program officer is absolutely critical. So Brian, I know that you've um, been sort of talking about PO outreach um, to our clients for years and years. Can you give us kind of a quick 30 second elevator pitch on PO outreach and then we'll get into uh, some of our more specific questions today? 
Mallory, your example is exactly spot on for the primary reason that we say that people should talk with program officers. And that is the program officer is the one who knows the funding opportunity best, and they can really provide a lot of insights that often don't come through in the program solicitation. There are other reasons to talk to program officers, such as at NSF, where the program officer is integrally involved in selecting the reviewers and helping make the funding decisions. Establishing a relationship early and getting their feedback really can make a difference in whether or not a proposal is funded. And even though this varies across agencies, pretty much at any agency, a program officer is going to be able to provide some sort of insight into the funding opportunity that you may not be able to gather on your own. Thanks, Brian. That's a great overview. Um, I think we'd like to jump into some specific questions that came up on the webinar, um, as well as a few questions that commonly crop up with the clients that we're working with. Um, so, uh, I think the first question I'd like to jump in with is how far in advance of an external deadline should a PI be contacting a program officer to discuss their proposal? Brian, what are your thoughts on that? Well, Katie, two weeks before the deadline is probably too late. And um, after you've written a proposal is probably too late. We typically would encourage people to reach out to the program officers in that concept development stage, the point in the process where their feedback will have the largest impact on what you're proposing to do. And so for most people, that's probably three to six months before the deadline is a good time to reach out to a program officer. Great. Thanks, Brian. So you're saying that if we have a client or a PI who's two weeks out from the deadline and they're insistent that they're going to submit this proposal, should they even bother at that point? Or is it something where we would say, please don't submit? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a great question. And, and I think that it's probably dependent on the specific circumstances. For example, if it's NSF, you may not get a response from the program officer but it probably is okay to reach out and let them know that you're submitting a proposal. I wouldn't ask for feedback at that stage just because it might irritate them that you're so close to the deadline, but giving them a heads up on what to expect does give them the opportunity to think through which reviewers might I invite uh, to cover that particular proposal. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead, yeah. Katie. I was just going to say, yeah, you don't want to irritate your program officer, um, especially right before you submit when they're going to remember your name. That's exactly right. <laughs> well, here's a follow-up question that I think kind of dovetails nicely to what you were saying about perhaps not getting feedback from the PO. Um, let's say that I'm a PI and I've reached out to my PO multiple times and I'm perfectly within that three to six month range ahead of the deadline and they're not getting back to me. They're not responding to my emails. They haven't responded to a call. Should I take that as a sign that they aren't interested or should I submit anyway? Is this something that's more common with certain agencies? Um, I think that we run into this occasionally, although I would say that it 100% uh, can kind of depend on the agency because I know that DOD stands out as a good place of where you're not likely to hear a lot of things uh, back from the PO. But Brian, I'll let you kind of weigh in on that. I, I think that's exactly right, Mallory, that it is agency dependent on what you can expect. But even within agencies, there are differences across, say, for example, institutes and centers at NIH. 
Um, NIAID is um, commonly not particularly invested in that upfront conversation, whereas the National Cancer Institute may have program officers who are more likely to engage early on. Same thing is true at NSF. There are certain divisions in engineering that may not be interested in having a conversation up front, but others in um, biology that, that are eager to do so. So I think if you don't hear back from a program officer, I wouldn't read much into it. Uh, program officers are people just like us. They have lives. Often they're vacationing or they're running a review panel or they're working really hard to get projects in front of an advisory council to make those final funding decisions. And so especially if you're reaching out, like we recommend, three to six months in advance, those program officers may be prioritizing based on uh, who's closest to the deadline. And so it may take a little extra outreach, um, but even if you don't hear back from them, uh, I would say, yes, continue to prepare your proposal, submit as um, required by the deadline. You've made your best effort to reach out, and sometimes that's the best that you can do. Thanks, Brian. So I have another uh, example, and this one comes up a, a lot with clients, um, and it's a little more nuanced. Um, so let's say a PI has reached out to the program officer with a, a concept paper. They've asked them to have a follow-up call to discuss it, and the program officer gives them kind of a neutral email response along the lines of, yeah, sure, this looks aligned, or go ahead and submit, um, and doesn't make any reference to the follow-up call, doesn't seem to um, respond to any specific questions. It's not even clear if they've read the concept paper. In this case, should the PI push for a call um, or let it go? Uh, that is a good question too, Katie. I, I think my general recommendation would be let it go. Um, the The reality is that many program officers have either been trained or have learned through the process that having too much engagement with PIs can create some misunderstandings. And so some program officers err on the side of only speaking to whether or not a project is a fit for a particular opportunity. That may not feel very helpful, but they're trying to be consistent in the guidance and support that they give to all PIs. If you get that type of response, it generally means, yes, go ahead and submit. I'm aware that you're submitting. I'll keep that in mind, but I'm not interested in providing any additional feedback. If you find that you get this response and you have very specific questions that you need a program officer to answer, Develop those questions in an email, limit it to one or two, no more than three questions, and ask for an explicit response to those questions. You may not get it, um, but that's better than trying to follow through and insist on a, a follow-up call. Great. Thanks, Brian. I think I know the answer to this one, but I'm going to ask it anyway, because it does come up uh, a lot. What if you disagree with the program? contact. So the PO, you reach out to the PO, they say, I don't think you're a right fit for this program, but you've seen what they've funded through that program. You've seen um, the reviewers that are on the panel, you think that they're wrong. Um, and this could apply both to the fit for the program, or perhaps even 
their feedback on your proposal. So let's say that you've already been through one round as a PI and you've gotten some feedback and they're telling you you need to change this and you just feel like they're wrong. Um, should a PI in that instance do what they're suggesting, go with what they feel is more appropriate, reach out to a different PO? Um, you know, my instinct is you never outright disagree with the PO, <laughs> but, um, you know, some of these situations can be tricky. So I uh, would love to hear your thoughts on that, Brian. It is indeed tricky. And I think it depends on what forum you have for, for, discussing this in more depth. If you're on a phone call and a program officer disagrees with your assessment or tells you to do something different, I think it's important to dig into that and try to understand why they're providing that feedback. It may be that they're not fully understanding what you're proposing and that if given enough information, they may revise their assessment. And so that conversation is an opportunity to do that. On the other hand, it may be that you misunderstand what the program officer and the agency are looking for in a particular opportunity. And so they are trying to guide you towards something that's a better fit because they see this misunderstanding. And if you dig into that and can come to a better understanding of the opportunity, you may be the one revising your assessment of the fit. I think this also depends a little bit on the agency, where where you're applying. So, for example, at NSF, where the program officer is literally identifying the people who will review your project, they're running the review panel, they are taking the recommendations of that panel and making funding decisions about where they want to spend their dollars and what portfolio of funded research they want to develop, you really need to take in into mind what that program officer is looking for. And if they have tried to guide you in a different direction, they will remember that. And so that may play into whether or not they decide to fund a particular project. At other agencies, it's less important. Um, At NIH, the program officer ultimately is going to advocate for projects in front of advisory council, but they aren't really making those funding decisions. They're not involved in the review process. And so their guidance is likely to be a little more consultative. They're less invested in that final outcome. And so I think that's kind of the message here is how close to the PO is are they to the process? And if they're really close and invested, um, you want to pay more attention to what they have to say. Great. I have a quick follow up and it's we're kind of deviating a little bit now from purely PO outreach, but I know the introduction to the resubmission for NIH, Brian, I know that's one of your favorite things. (laughs) I know that you love those. Um, And getting back to kind of the idea of disagreeing, whether that be with the PO or in this case, you got your summary statement back from NIH you disagree with reviewer three or (laughs) whoever that one is. um, And you're, you're writing your, your one page introduction to the resubmission. Should you ever disagree with them? Or should is there a way to disagree with the reviewers and the commentary that you got back in a way that's not offensive during that one page? I know that we've seen some that were that just come back and they're very uh, aggressive and very defensive. Um, Do you have any kind of just high level thoughts about the introduction? 
I love this question, Mallory, because as you mentioned, I love the introductions, the opportunity to respond directly to the people who are critiquing your project. Um, I think when you're having this interaction, it's a lot like talking to people on social media. There's a lot of opportunity for misunderstanding and hurt feelings and not being clear about what you're trying to accomplish. I think it can be helpful for PIs to ride out those aggressive responses, really say what they think in response to these reviews that frustrate them, and then delete that. Uh, Get it out of your system. Come back to the introduction and think about what's going to be productive here. Where can I agree with the reviewer and acknowledge that their concern is valid, even if I may disagree uh, mostly with what they're having to say? What can I pull from that and say, yes, that's, that's a great insight, and here's how we're using that to adjust our approach. Um, there are occasionally times when there's nothing valid in a reviewer's comment, and it's very hard to say, here's something I agree with, and here's how we're, we're changing that. If it's an obvious uh, misunderstanding or they are simply wrong, there are ways to lead them to that conclusion without calling them out specifically. So using the literature to support your case or acknowledging that this is a challenging question that often comes up in this type of work and directing them to uh, publications where people have resolved those concerns previously and so maybe they're not up to date. There, There are ways to get at correcting reviewers without doing it in an offensive way. And if you're one of those PIs struggling with this and you work with Hanover, I would love to talk with you because like Mallory said, I love writing these introductions. This is great, Brian. Thank you. I think this is all really helpful information for our clients um, and uh, the the faculty grant seekers and and nonprofit grant seekers that we're working with. Um, I think the only other final note I would make on um, PO outreach is that I think a lot of what we've talked about here is specific to federal agencies. Most of that applies to foundations. But if you are seeking funding from a foundation, do a little research before you email them. Um, and just make sure that they welcome that sort of pre-application outreach. There's a handful of foundations, most do, most do, but there's a handful of foundations that don't, um, either because they don't have the staffing to address um, PI requests or um, because they're so big that they get so many requests that they can't respond to them. So always do your homework. Um, I think we're going to close things out in a moment here with uh, our recurring segment, Whoops of the Week. Um, so this is where we share something that uh, uh, has happened to one of our clients or to a colleague or um, other contacts in the field. Um, and uh, today we're going to talk about um, program officer outreach <laughs> related whoopsie. Um, so, you know, with NSF, uh, and this is a secondhand story, so uh, so I don't know the actual uh, the punchline on this one, but Um, With NSF, a lot of the program officers are serving temporary rotations. Um, They're on leave from their university for one or two years. Um, This is, by the way, a really great opportunity for you to get experience if you have the chance to rotate in as a program officer. Um, 
So keep that in mind um, for your own career path. Um, but uh, this means that they're also researchers in their own right and that they have a, a rich history of contribution in the field. So it's a good idea to do a little research before you reach out to your NSF program officer. Um, I once heard about a PI who got on the phone um, started making a case for their research by pointing out um, all these flaws in a, a key paper in the field um, and uh, was uh, somewhat unreserved in their criticism of it. Um, and when they were finished, the program officer was silent for a moment and then said, uh, yeah, I'm a co-author on that paper. Um, oh, ouch, <laughs> ouch. I know. Um, and I, because this is secondhand, I don't really know what, what happened to the PI um, in that story, but uh, I, I strongly suspect they didn't get funded in that round. <laughs> so yeah, do a little research on the program officer and know who you're talking to. I think this goes full stop for PO conversations. Um, you know, uh, don't ask them questions that are in the solicitation or that are easily addressed with a little bit of homework. Um, no, uh, come into the conversation informed, um, not just about the program and what it funds, but about who you're talking to, if you can do that. So, yeah. You know, I really, I really wish that that had been some, someone that uh, you knew directly, Katie, because I would love <laughs> to know what happened after I that. Know. <laughs> I know, me too. <laughs> would love to know the outcome of that. I, I, I suspect it doesn't end in funding. Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, we are out of time for today. I want to thank uh, Brian DeBusk for joining us and sharing some great information and guidance on working with program contacts, POs. Um, quick reminder on a few of Hanover's other re resources that we have available to clients. We have uh, the grants portal, which does contain a lot of great sources and uh uh, detail on our previous podcasts, webinars, redacted uh, projects that we've worked on, templates, and other helpful things for faculty members in all stages of their career. You can reach out to your contact for the Hanover Partnership for more guidance on these and other resources. Uh, Hanover's next webinar is on August 26th and will be on key highlights from the president's fiscal year 2022 budget. Um, so if you have any questions following that webinar, please feel free to send them along to us. You can send your questions to mwaters at Hanover Research with the subject line podcast question. You can also leave a voicemail at 202-499-6736, or you can reach out to your CD, your contact, your RD, anyone who you know at Hanover and say, hey, I listen to the podcast. We really like it. Here's some questions. We would love to answer them live. Um, thank you all for joining us today. And we look forward to having you back next time. Mm -hmm.